the football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome along to the football kickoff here on OTB. An interesting weekend ahead. Arsenal coming into the weekend five points clear at the top of the table. Ahead of playing a Manchester United team who were in good form until the draw against Crystal Palace midweek. That is the pick of this weekend's games. While Jurgen Klopp will have his 1,000th game in charge as a manager tomorrow when he takes his Liverpool team up against Chelsea. Disappointing campaign so far for both teams. So we've got a huge uh, pack schedule of games to have a look forward to. Uh, David Connolly with us at the moment. OTB Sports Phil Egan is here as well. Um, Phil, last night, how important could that feel in the title race? Manchester 2-0 down against Spurs at home. Bit of a wobble with the form they've had across all competitions recently. And then they put in a huge second half performance. Yeah, you, you were taking a half time. If you're an Arsenal fan, this is looking rosy. And, you know, who would have thought that it would be Tottenham that would be doing them a favour, even though Spurs have a really good record against City of late. And then by the end of the 90 minutes, Arsenal fans, it was normal service resumed back to hating everything about Spurs and City will do that to you where you can ask Liverpool fans over the last few years when you think that there's that bit of hope they will come back now there's still more than a bit of hope for Arsenal they're in the driving seat and City I I agree with what Guardiola said after the game that if Arsenal went up against them now they would beat them but that second half should be encouraging because there was plenty of energy in it as well and Haaland back in among the goals as well Riyad Mahrez is in good form Jack Grealish is starting to play well De Bruyne didn't play obviously but you know he'll come back in and Ruben Diaz is probably closer to getting back into the team as well so there's still so long to go and the fact that City and Arsenal still have to play each other twice throw in the FA Cup game as well so yeah I think we've got ourselves a proper title race mm. Republic of Ireland uh, former striker David Connolly is with as well David what did you make of City in the second half Pep changed around his midfield a little bit and some of those players Phil was mentioning uh, really came to the fore when they needed a performance in that second half yeah g- yeah. good morning guys I think um, judging by what he said after Pep I think he he kind of um, I think he knew that if they hadn't had that massive second 45 they were completely out of the picture and I'm sure that would have been his halftime team talk, right? That, lads, this is our season here, done and dusted if we don't respond. I've got to say, they were probably helped by Hugo Lloris again. Um, you know, certainly, I know, I know for Alvarez's goal, I thought he was brave to come for the ball. But certainly for Mares, when they went in front at the near post, <clears throat> you know, for Hugo, I, I think he's got to be stopping that. I know it took a little nick, but... I think you need your goalkeeper to make some saves there. And you go back to North London Derby, I thought. I thought for Saka's, you know, when he carried the ball into his net there. So I thought City were helped a little bit. And and I think, um, you know, certainly Hugo Lloris, I think, could have done better, maybe on Alvarez's goal. But nonetheless, it's a typical response you'd expect from City, right? That City side with the players they've got, so talented. But I, I do, I really do think the goalkeeper for Spurs needed to help them out knowing they're under massive pressure you need to keep it to make saves and, and he didn't do that yeah um, Phil when it comes to this title race five points seems like a nice buffer but things can change remarkably quickly when the other night here in the football show Dan McDonald and I were looking at Manchester United potentially closing the gap a little bit more at least it scores a late free kick and then it looks less rosy for them coming in but still the two Manchester clubs are within touching distance and this is a big test for Arsenal this coming Sunday afternoon yeah, and like what a costly 10 minutes it was for United at Sellers Park because 
you know, they were so comfortable, I felt, in the first half. They got their goal and it was a case of get the second goal, then you can take Casemiro off and just see out the game. Didn't get the second goal. And I just think they were, they were, they just didn't up the energy in the second half where clearly Palace are a team that are quite fragile at the moment, confidence-wise, but the longer it stayed 1-0, then they still have a chance and that's what can happen. Somebody spanks in a free kick from 35 yards out and all of a sudden United are dropping points. But you could just see the deflation on the bench when Casemiro got booked because Ten Hag knew exactly what that meant for, for Sunday. Look, he, he pointed out after the after the game that United have already beaten Arsenal without Casemiro, but there's a big difference with playing at Old Trafford and the Emirates. Only Newcastle have come away from the Emirates with a point, and even that, as dogged as Newcastle were that night, Arsenal could have won that game. Arsenal are just a, a different beast at the Emirates and I just think that that first 20 minutes on Sunday is going to be a real test for United and not having Casemiro is a big blow. I don't think United fans expected themselves to be in a title race but certainly the Derby win gave them such confidence then you're going to Sellers Park you're thinking 10 wins in a row in all competitions set things up nicely for the weekend and who knows but now I think if anyone's going to stop Arsenal from winning the league it's only going to be City. Yeah, and um, we're looking forward to Sunday's game at the moment. The football kickoff here, of course, is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. We will have live commentary also on Off the Ball on Sunday. But if you want to watch the game of the TV, Arsenal against Manchester United, the half four game on Sky Sports on Sunday. Uh, Dave, the significance of Casemiro not being there, you know, given Odegaard's form, Player of the Month uh, last month as well, how big a loss is Casemiro going to be with the suspension? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be. Uh... It's going to be massive. I, I think uh, people are probably surprised, right, at, at how at, at how well he's done, considering the the amount that he costs and his age. And people thinking, is he, yeah, you know, is this is this the right signing for them? But boy, is he proven that he is absolutely the right signing for them, and he is outstanding. So yeah, he's going to be missed because, to be honest, I mean, I don't know how you stop Martin Odegaard. I mean, that kid is so talented. His brain is on, uh, you know, Casemiro is creative as well, right? Some of his long-range passing is absolutely outstanding. But he's probably at the opposite end of Martin Odegaard, who, who's thinking creatively. And Casemiro at times is thinking the opposite about, you know, stopping that creativity. Without him there, without Casemiro there, it's it's going to be a real challenge. Because I, I, I can't think of a player that has stopped Martin Odegaard when he's creating I, I cannot think of one. And they are so well oiled at the moment, that Arsenal machine, that, yeah, without without Kisimura, it's going to be very, very tough. You know, what you would say is, OK, United have got goal threats now and they've got players in form and they they will score goals. There's no doubt they will they will score a goal, United. It's just whether they can stop, you know, Arsenal's creativity because Saka, Odegaard, no matter, no matter what you say, uh, uh, I know what Phil's saying about Newcastle. I thought Newcastle were really good against Arsenal. You know, second half, they really got the grips. Dan Byrne really got to grips with uh, Bakayo Saka. They stopped the threats out wide. Um, and and actually, Newcastle did very well with the subs they, they brought on. You know, Sam Maximan and, and players like that. So, you know, Newcastle showed that it's possible to nullify that with a really good defensive display. But, you know, certainly... United about Casemiro. We'll have to wait and see how they do, right? Because that'll be the... Uh, he's in such good form. He's going to be a massive miss for them on and off the pitch. Make, make no mistake. You see him at the end celebrating. The fans love him. You know, he's demanding of his teammates. 
So, yeah, it's a big loss. Yeah. Phil Trossard, we'll wait and see what happens about potentially being registered in time for this weekend. We saw Veghorst coming straight into the team for Manchester United. Um, what does Trossard bring? Um, why are they trying to sign him now? Well, he obviously wants to get out of Brighton and, you know, it's kind of ended on a bit of a sour note there. But he's 28, which actually is older than a lot of people would have thought because he's still quite new to the Premier League. And But... You know, he, this is a guy that has scored and pre, you know he scored seven goals this season. He got a, a hat trick at Anfield. Can play anywhere across the the front line. Obviously, that's where like you could pick the Arsenal starting eleven now, but it's when they're down a few bodies or they need to rest players and they've got the the Europa League as well. Um, obviously, Gabriel Jesus. They didn't think he was going to be out for for as long. Eddie Nketi has done excellent. So there that, that there is that option where if they wanted to start Martinelli through the centre they could cross out on the left he could also play in a central role and he, you know he could play out on the right so he and it's just handy to be able to bring in a player that you know is Premier League ready you don't have to worry about it you don't have to worry about a player adapting to a league now you still have to worry about adapting to a new system but you would rather that it's the system that they're trying to adapt to rather than the league and the system Do you think it's a good move David? Yeah I do I, I think he's brilliant. I mean, look, if you're if you're looking at him from a, 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 a recruitment angle, his stats this season he's he's got the best stats at Brighton, right? So you know, opposition touches, all that sort of stuff in the box, you know, chance creation, expected goals, all that kind of boring stuff, right? That behind the scenes, your, your data analysts look at. He's got all that. He tops it all at Brighton, and whatever's gone on there, we don't know. But it it, it seems like obviously. You know, him and Deserby didn't get on, but I think he's a great signing because, you know, you've got to look at the players that can't get in this Arsenal team. You know, Smith Rowe, uh, Fabio Vieira. I mean, you know, they've got really talented players on the periphery and Trossard coming in just strengthens that because it means, like you say, if Martinelli dips below or he's ineffective, he could switch wings sometimes. Saka could go on the left. He could he could have Trossard on the right. He still then has inverted wingers, if you get what I mean, with Trossard on the right. So I, I think he's a top, top talent. I mean, we saw him at Liverpool, against Liverpool. I mean, he's brilliant. 28. I, I think he's a great signing. I think it's, it's so money well spent. Really, really good money well spent. All right, Phil, what are you expecting at the Emirates then? Because we got a feeling this was going to be a really important seven days in Arsenal season mm-hmm. to have to go to Spurs and then to play Manchester United at home after that. What are you expecting Sunday? I'm expecting a humdinger of a game, which is great because you think back to those famous Arsenal-Manchester United games and they were brilliant and the fact that the atmosphere at the Emirates now, I mean, how quickly it is, has turned, it's electric and Arsenal fans will be expecting to rock up on Sunday and to see Arsenal put on a show and take United apart so I think if you're United you have to get through the first 20 minutes and I know that's what tends to happen in these big games if you're the, the away team you just have to weather that early storm and I think Arsenal are going to come out very quickly and the difference with playing Arsenal and playing City at the moment is Arsenal have that zip about them where Fred for example man marked De Bruyne De Bruyne got away from him a few times if they're going to put Fred on Odegaard, I don't think he'd be able to marshal him the way he did with the, with the Bruyne. Arsenal are just, if you look at it, everything is just so quick at the moment. So that first 20 minutes is going to be electric. And as I said, if United can get through it and play their way into the game, they have a chance. And maybe 
like the Newcastle game I mentioned Arsenal started very quick in that game didn't get the breakthrough and then you see it on the sideline Arteta gets frustrated at times you know he, he's a very excitable person but I would still be leaning towards Arsenal if if you're going to ask me who's going to win it Alright David United and Arsenal winning their important derbies last weekend who's coming out on top on Sunday? <laughs> um, I think Arsenal you know I think I think what he does in terms of who he plays instead of Casemiro, you'd imagine it would be uh, Scott McTominay. I think his last start was against Charlton, wasn't it, in the FA Cup? And I really like Scott, but he's come on for a couple of minutes here and there to to drop him to drop him in. I don't know if he's had enough football, but you know, obviously big boots to fill. But um, I, I guess that would be the natural change. Um, I can only see Arsenal winning this. Um, the form they're in, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a home win for me. All right, well, David, tomorrow, BT Sport. Two teams we didn't expect to be in the positions they are in mid-table right now in Liverpool and Chelsea. As I mentioned, up Jurgen Klopp's 1,000 game as a manager. These teams couldn't be separated last year. Two draws in the league and both the cup finals went to penalties with Liverpool uh, coming out on top. Liverpool, though, when we look at Klopp's um, CV with the games he's played, he says the worst game he had as a manager was last week, the performance he saw from Liverpool against Brighton. They bounced yeah. back midweek. They got that win against Wolves in the replay in the FA Cup. Um, but if Liverpool are in the rag order that they were last weekend, they're probably going to struggle against Chelsea. Um, yeah, they, 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 they probably are. Uh, I've, you know, Gakpo coming in is kind of... It, it, the, the Brighton performance didn't make sense because the, the, the formation that he played is... Is a formation that he hasn't really played that much. If you look at a lot of the other teams, Arsenal don't deviate from how they play. Manchester City don't deviate from how they play. And and it just seems like Jurgen Klopp, you know, searching, scratching around for a performance and a and a formula to fit everyone in. He played the diamond against Brighton, who absolutely, you know, crucified them. And it didn't work. So what he does here against Chelsea will be interesting, whether he goes back to his usual shape wherever he, he sacrifices Gakpo, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I don't think he would have learned that experiment against Brighton was a costly one. And I don't think he'll make the same mistake against Chelsea. Um, they do concede, don't they? So I think Chelsea know that, you know, they'll get, they might get a chance, they might score. Um, but I still, I still think Liverpool come out on top. But I think the experiment against Brighton was, was a bad one. And it was a bit smacked of a bit of naivety because that, you wouldn't have seen that from a, a Guardiola. You, you wouldn't have seen that from an Arteta this season. And, and, and maybe that's, you know, under pressure, searching for, for, for a performance and points. You do something which really you're not really sure is going to work. And that was, that was a bad performance. And it was a bad decision from Jurgen Klopp to play that way against Brian. Yeah, Liverpool's approach, but also just to pick up the point David made about the goals that are being conceded. So that was the first clean sheet midweek. Weaving Keller was in goal in seven that Liverpool mm. have kept across all competitions. I think he's kept two clean sheets in the last 12 as it worked out. So Liverpool are conceding goals all over the place right now. Yeah, and they're so predictable, the kind of goals they're conceding. It's the same thing the whole time where the opposition midfielder has so much time they could pull up a chair, sit down and have a look at what pass they want to pick. They're elite footballers. You can't give them that much time. Liverpool are still trying to play a high line. So you you could tell from the first 15 minutes of that game last weekend that Liverpool were going to struggle. And I know he tried to change up the, the formation a bit. He tried to tweak it. But he's still playing the same personnel that keep letting him down this season. And I think Liverpool going into the Wolves game, when Liverpool fans saw the team for the Wolves game, 
yeah, there was young players in there, but some of the Liverpool fans just thought, you know what, at least it's something different. And if they lose, at least it's something different. And it turns out they won. And the bright sparks to take from the game were an 18-year-old in Stefan Bajcic playing in the role that Fabinho plays, but he is so much more mobile. Fabinho came on at Molyneux and I think three or four times just booted the ball out. Mm. I, I, I don't know. like that. that he didn't look out of place. Ben Dolcastle looked out of place. No. There's an argument to give these guys a bit of a run. Abby Cade had a good game. Obviously, Thiago like, s- somehow seems to s- split opinions. I, I don't get it. I mean, he was by far Liverpool's best midfielder. He's the only one winning tackles. That's not even. Mo- he's not meant to be doing that. He's meant to be the one on the ball doing the good stuff and then there's two lads around them that get him the ball and he controls the game. But Jordan Henderson and Fabinho haven't been able to do it this season. Harvey Elliott played in a more advanced role. That guy has been getting absolutely slated because he's been playing in a role that doesn't suit him. And, you know, if you're only a kid and you're getting thrown out to that every week, then it's going to affect your confidence. But if Klopp goes back to the same eleven that started against Brighton, and they go and lose to Chelsea, then you'd be thinking, what was the the point of the Wolves game? Did you not pick up anything from it? Mm. At Chelsea, at this stage, David, basically they're going towards half a billion that's been spent under Todd Bowley already. Uh, More heavy recruitment, including Mudrick, who uh, finally had his move to Chelsea confirmed uh, last weekend. Uh, Bizarrely enough, confirming it while they were playing uh, last Sunday. Kai Havertz is going to be missing, it seems, this weekend because he wasn't able to train midweek, so we'll see what happens on the selection on that one. Uh, But what does Mudrick bring to Chelsea now? Um, well, that, yeah, that's a good um, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of money. Um, they've got a few players out of contract, which is probably why they're lining these lads up. Jorginho's out. Uh, Kante's out. Um, so I think this is this is um, supplementing the squad, knowing that there's probably going to be a few uh, departures. It, it's it's um, uh, more attacking players. You know, it looks like uh, Madueke might be signing as well from PSV. Um, uh, who's a really young, exciting attacker? Came through at Tottenham, um, but it, it, I don't. To be honest, I don't know at Chelsea because half the time they seem to have players, then they get rid of them. I, I don't see the difference with uh, a Mudrak and a, a Madueke compared to a Callum Hudson Odoi. Apart from the, you know, they get these players in at Chelsea and they don't work and they ship them out. I mean, um, it's probably a good time to be an agent selling a player at Chelsea with a new owner. Um, but to be honest, I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you if the, the recruitment looked scattergun. I, 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 don't, I don't quite know in terms of are these the players that Graham Potter actually wants and is, is targeting. I'm not too sure, um, you know, because at times on the sideline, he looks absolutely drained. He looks spent as if the, the, the job, I never saw him look like that at Brighton. Never, you know, and there was that, I don't know if you saw the image, it was last week. Where Two it, heavy bags under his eyes. Yeah. Man. Oh my goodness. I mean, that is that is the job, right? That is the job there in an image where you know. I think his first day when he was unveiled, he, he kind of looked like James Bond, and then you know, um, slowly, you know, the, the 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 pressure of the job or the results are just draining away at him. So um, I, I, I'm not too sure. I saw him against Fulham, and I thought they were really really poor. Watched that. I watched that game closely. I thought they were really, really disappointing. Um, the, the games prior to the Palace one, you know, they weren't playing at their best. They didn't play well against Palace either. Um, so, to be honest, I, I think Liverpool, I think they'll beat them here. Um, but 
it's more in terms of our Chelsea with all their signings. I, I, it's hard to know whether any of these signings are going to be a success because it just seems like their turnover is so is so so big. Their turnover of players, you know, you just wonder in a couple of seasons these players will probably be loaned out and they'll be somewhere else. Off the ball daily, a home for your favorite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, a slight tangent, the crappy quiz, and you had to be there. You have to be there, like, but I wish I wasn't there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Just one other word on this game is around the transfer as well. Graham Potter, we're not quite sure if it's the recruitment committee within Chelsea or Graham Potter. I'm sure he has some input along the way. But given that Aubameyang has been so out of favour, to me it seems they're crying out to get a number nine. And now Mudrick comes in, they already have Pulisic, CH. Some players are injured at the moment, Ryan yeah. Sterling. But still, there's so many players that play in the same positions, they're stocked in one area and they look really short for just a central striker. Yeah, that is the the parting gift, and it wasn't a gift from Thomas Tuchel, is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who even when he came on last week against Palace again, not very good. Well, you see him coming off and been taken off. That's no faith in him whatsoever. In the City game. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when he arrived, it was... The the reason it wasn't seen as big a gamble as it was was because Tuchel was there and he had worked at Aubameyang and he had thrived under under Tuchel at Dortmund. So you could see it kind of made sense. But as soon as Tuchel left, it didn't make sense anymore. But they're stuck with him now. And... They have no number nines. Havertz has been playing in that role. Havertz is a player that like, at times can look amazing. Obviously, he came up with the big goal to win them the Champions League. But then other times, you don't even know if he's playing. And he's not prolific enough. He scored a header last week, but I wouldn't say heading is the strongest part of his game. He has some lovely touches, but they need that out-and-out number nine. They, they rarely have a good number nine. They sign, they've signed so many number nines since, say, when Abramovich took over. And Drogba was the man. But other than that, they've had a few that just haven't really done it. Or if they've done it just for a few years and then they're gone. Like Diego Costa had a couple of good years. But they've signed a lot of players. Number we're nine. very good elsewhere, but didn't quite work. Just that doesn't work, yeah. They just don't seem to be able to do it at Chelsea. Let's get forward then to the half past five game on Saturday evening. That is Crystal Palace against Newcastle. You can watch this game on Sky Sports. Newcastle is still sitting inside the top four currently. Um, they're right in the coattails of both Manchester City and Manchester United as things stand. 14 games unbeaten, Phil, and they've only conceded 11 goals this season. That stat is still there. Yeah. I know you were talking about it last week. They're very hard to break down. But Camaris is likely to miss a few weeks now and he's been a crucial player in midfield and as part of that defensive unit. How big a loss is he now? Well, the stats don't lie. They, they say like when he's not in the team, they don't win as many games. And I mean, I, I, it looked bad when that when you saw the injury. <laughs> we see him on crutches in the photos. Yeah, as well, but uh, it, well, what we're told is it's not as bad as it looked, and it, it did look horrendous. Where, yeah, one of those where you kind of think that it could have been a lot worse. But I, that's the biggest surprise for me because, in terms of the the defense. When Eddie Howe was the Bournemouth manager, I know he has a better squad now. and It was definitely feeling though they played nice football but were they, a bit leaky. They always conceded goals. Now, that team that he had, a, a lot of the back four that he had at the start of their Premier League era was the team that came up with him from the, from the Championship. But they're so hard to break down Newcastle and they have a really good chance. The fact that we've just talked about Liverpool and Chelsea, even 
we mentioned Spurs. The fact that those three are so off it compared to what we thought they would be, this is a great chance for Newcastle to sneak in and get Champions League football. And they're well ahead of schedule. We expected Newcastle to be challenging for Champions League football in a couple of years, given the ownership and how much money they have. But this is going a lot quicker. They have a chance of silver or as well in the, the League Cup. You would fancy them to, I know David mightn't agree as a, a former Saint, but you would fancy them to get through against Southampton in the, the League Cup and then one, one, one off game against United. I'm sorry, Forest fans, but without Dean Henderson, I don't give Forest much of a chance in that semi-final. So things are going very well for them and it's just gonna, they're just going to keep going because the team that they have now, they just keep replacing certain players and they just upgrade and yeah, it's all going very well for Newcastle. And as I said before, Palace are the kind of team that if they concede and things can go pretty bad pretty quickly. That's why I was so surprised United didn't kill off the game. Yeah. Uh, David, that bad run of form Palace were on, three defeats coming into it, came to an end with the one-all draw at the weekend. Haven't had a good record at Selhurst Park in recent weeks here. They've kind of been on a bit of a slide form-wise. But do they take much from the fact that they got a point against United midweek ahead of what's a very difficult game against Newcastle tomorrow evening? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, they would have done great goal um, uh, from, from Elise. But I've seen, I've worked on a few Newcastle games. I've been so impressed with them. Um, obviously, Bruno's injury is a bad one for them. Don't get me wrong, but it means they've got Sam Maximum back on the pitch. And, you know, I mean, if you see him coming on, you know you're in big trouble. I thought he was excellent um, against Fulham. I thought he was really, really good. And also, Eddie Howe made it, you know, the onus was on him as the home team manager. Away from home, it might be a little bit different in terms of the side that he selects wherever he starts at Maximan. But, you know, um, they've got two good fullbacks who I think can cope, um, you, you know, with with Zaha or, or Elise or Eze, you know, uh, Kieran Trippier and, and Dan Burn. I thought actually Kieran Trippier was pretty disappointing against Fulham. His deliveries in the box were unusually below standard. But the changes he made, Eddie Howe, to go and win the game, you know, that will make the difference come the end of the season where they finish. They might finish they might finish fourth because of that, you know, in terms of bringing on Isaac, bringing on Sam Maximan, really going for it, harnessing the energy of the uh, St. James's Park crowd. I thought it was excellent management. You know, um, and a difficult, you know, Fulham were on a great run. Fulham were what, six unbeaten? So to beat them, they'll be going to Palace in in, in supreme form, confidence-wise. And as you say, very rarely breached. Got an excellent goalkeeper, you know, brilliant goalkeeper. The back four works ever so hard. Wouldn't surprise me if Newcastle nicked this as well. Yeah, Isla coming back to fitness, which is a boost if Joe Linton's going to play a bit deeper maybe uh, with the injuries they have in midfield. Sunday afternoon, the other game on Sky Sports is a 2pm kickoff. That is Leeds against Brentford. Uh, strongly urge, have a listen back to Adam Pope on the football show last night talking about Leeds' situation. Uh, Jesse Marsh, um, very much Phil insistent that the club are united behind him that the club are backing him with the signings they made. they've made some very interesting mm. signings um, they had to maybe wait to use some of the summer money that they brought in in this transfer window it'll take a while probably for it to gel um, but they're up against a Brentford team who've been impressive against quite a few of the big teams this year particularly yeah I, I've had this feeling going into that Cardiff game in the FA Cup for Leeds that if they got turned over by Cardiff that that could have been the end for Jesse Marsh and just looking at their fixtures they obviously play Brentford they have Forrest coming up 
they have Southampton they have Everton they have Manchester United as well depending on how the FA Cup goes they could end up actually playing United twice in the space of a week but in the league which is bizarre but it goes back to the, the game that was postponed but Nyanto was uh, oh, like that goal midweek it was it was excellent but he, he's been so good since he's come on come into the team and even I saw him against West Ham and he he was brilliant and he just the fact now that he's he's starting to score goals where you know he's always had this energy and, and buzz about him but there's end product there as well Bamford coming back scoring a couple of goals as well it's, it seems like a really big game and the fact that it's at Ellen Road Jesse March March needs a big win in the Premier League at Ellen Road so I get what he's saying. He's right. Like some of these players coming in, they do need time. I think Tyler Adams has been an excellent acquisition, but they still just concede goals at times. And like, look at the, the Villa game is the perfect example where you know there was times they were they were on top against Villa. You know they'd recovered from conceding the early goal, yet they they still go and lose that game. Uh, that's a game they shouldn't have lost, and that's no disrespect to Aston Villa. That's just Leeds had enough to win that game they do that they were the same under Bielsa they don't put their chances away but Elland Road it's it's just it's finely balanced where I think when leads are on you have to watch them because it's very rare there's a dull game when they're involved yeah what do you think Dave I mean decent results kind of ending a bad run of form midweek they want to push on now obviously in that Cardiff victory once they get back into the Premier League but Brentford a very difficult opponent here Oh yeah, I mean, uh, look, they beat Liverpool with with no Tony, and uh, you know they've shown that that they they can win with and without, and they're, they're certainly not a one man team. Although who was back in, they they beat uh, Bournemouth, uh, Brentford's sort of my local team. So if I have a day off and I'm not working, I go there. So um, uh, and and yeah, they are a brilliantly coached team. Make no mistake, how they play and their results have been superb. Look, Leeds. If you go back to the West Ham game, if they'd have lost that, I don't know what it would have been like at Ellen Road. Um, you know, they needed uh, Rodrigo to come up with uh, with an equaliser. Um, I think Brentford's a really difficult opponent for them to face because you look at maybe little old Brentford up against, you know, Leeds at Ellen Road, but, but actually, you know, Brentford are difficult to break down. They've got goal threats as well going the other way. This is a difficult game. You know, on paper, a really, really difficult game, and Brentford in, in great form. So, I don't know. You know, Nonto terrific, Rodrigo terrific. I wonder if Brentford. You know, they probably play a back three. They'll block it up, make it difficult. They'll play on the counter. I, I think this is this is a difficult game, a really difficult game for Leeds. And Dave, our other game that we have on the agenda is Monday night Sky Sports, eight PM, London Derby, Fulham against Spurs. Spurs really needing a result after the last two defeats they've taken. The nature of the defeat against Manchester City last night and losing the derby against Arsenal last weekend. Um, Fulham have been overachieving this season. I don't know. A lot of people are already wondering about Conte's future. Where do you see Spurs going into this game at Craven College uh, on Monday? Well, I, don't, <coughs> I, I don't know, you know, because Fulham, as I've seen them a couple of times. I've seen them live. Um, there are they're playing so so well you know really really well um another tough game i think for um for antonio conte fulham are going to have the lion's share of possession uh, 
again, it wouldn't surprise me if they if if Fulham beat Spurs here. Um, you know, maybe the the the, the sort of half time at half time, the second half performance, whether you know they can quickly put that to one side up against a Fulham team that you know that they all know their jobs. I think the manager's done a great job there, Marco Silva, because you look at the signings they made. Haven't really changed their side. Tim Ream, a lot of people thought, well, could he do it in the Premier League? Leno's come in, been excellent. Um, even if they're missing Anthony Robinson, their first choice fullback, Kozawa came in and was 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 really good. They were unlucky against Newcastle, the late goal. Nah, they're a good team. Wouldn't surprise me if Fulham won this one. Phil, yeah. I- end of last season, everyone thought. Tony Conte has got this Spurs team into a decent space. The signings last uh, winter window were working out well. Because if he's going to be backed going into the season, there was a lot of optimism about Spurs. It feels things are turning a bit now. Yeah, well, he hasn't signed a new contract, and it just looks like he just is struggling to deal with the fact that he's not used to losing. When he was with Inter and Juventus, winning games, and yeah, it's just you know, even when he was with Chelsea, the reason he left was because he was making demands and they weren't being met. And he was, I won a Premier League, I've won an FA Cup. Why aren't you backing me? But with Spurs, David touched on it at the top of the show. Hugo Lloris is a problem. Bad goalkeepers or keepers that are making mistakes, then it feeds into the defence. They play a back three. They make mistakes. A long lay last night when he came Project, on. Yeah. Like, I actually felt watching the game last night at 3-2, I thought, I, f- I think Spurs could actually score here because City had done so well to come back, but there was still a sense that they're still a little bit jittery. Spurs gave them a helping hand to get the fourth goal and and kill the game. When you go to Craven Cottage, you know you're in for a game. And you think back to even the, the opening weekend, Fulham would probably feel they should have beaten Liverpool and everyone thought Liverpool were below par without probably giving cr- enough credit to Fulham. And Marco Silva as well left Everton after getting a hiding in a Merseyside derby and everyone thought, we won't see him again. And here he is. And he's got the best out of Mitrovic. Uh, he, uh, David mentioned Ream. The questions were asked of Mitrovic: Can he score enough goals in the Premier League? He's been unbelievable. There was always that feeling he would go to the Championship, score a lot, go yeah. to the Premier League, not score as much. An in betweener where can do it in the Championship, but can't do it in the Premier League. But he's proved so many people wrong. Pereira has been excellent. You just know that on the Monday night, under the lights, TV cameras there, Fulham are going to fancy this. They've already beaten Chelsea. They ended that hoodoo. They'll definitely fancy their chances of beating Spurs. So if they do win, I wouldn't be too surprised by it and then that just feeds into what's the story for Conte because that would be three defeats in a row and you'd be thinking is he going to sign the new contract he keeps talking about like some of the stuff he said last night after the game where he sounded like somebody that has to accept that this is the way that Tottenham are going to do it and talking about the fans having to accept maybe where they are Mm. the soundings haven't been good the last few weeks definitely not and there's players out of form as well Son isn't the player that he was Harry Kane is still doing what Harry Kane does. He's he's scoring goals. He didn't score last night, but he's creating goals. Kulazewski really like him. Bentoncourt coming back was a big plus, but there's still probably one midfielder light. I I like Hoiberg, but I don't think he's good enough for that that level where you're trying to push teams at the very top. David, give you the last word on this one. Are you expecting a response from Spurs? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think there will be a response. Make no mistake. Um, but that, that, that this Fulham side is a difficult, they're a really difficult opponent to play against. They work ever so hard. So uh, I don't know, you know, uh, I, I, it, as I said earlier, it wouldn't surprise me if um, if Fulham beat them here. Um, 
But look, we saw against City that first 45, you know, in the front part of the pitch, you know, if you keep Harry Kane trying to contain him, trying to contain Kulazewski, if Son performs, obviously that's a different, that's something different for Fulham. But the way they're playing, you know, they, they dominate the board, have a really high line, you know, take the, take the game to the opposition. They have, they're an excellent team. So it'd be a difficult one for Spurs. Uh, I'll go Fulham. They, they might just nick it. Right, intriguing weekend ahead. My thanks to both Phil and to Dave for their views ahead of the weekend. All the football that you love is across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport this weekend. If you missed the show, you can podcast this OTB football stream is what you need there and wherever you pick up your podcasts. And of course, we're live half past 11 every Friday on Off The Ball's YouTube channel as well. Speak to you soon. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.